You're listening to sermon audio from Ransom City Church. For more audio content, visit ransomcitychurch.org. Open your Bibles to Ephesians 2. We're going to be in verses 13 through 18 this morning. Ephesians 2, verses 13 through 18. Uh, we're continuing our, our this year's Advent series this morning. And this morning we're going to discuss peace. Uh, so open your Bibles to Ephesians 2, 13 through 18. Um, I'm going to pray for us and we'll jump right in. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness and the redemption that we have in Jesus. Lord, we, we praise you for that. Lord, we celebrate uh, Christ's coming and accomplishing salvation for his people in his first coming during Advent with an eye to his return with a hopeful anticipatory eye to his return. So Lord, help us to do that well this morning in a way that honors and glorifies you. Lord, we thank you that our righteousness is not found in ourselves and our own works, but in Christ and his finished works, his perfect works on our behalf. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ephesians 2, 13 through 18. Um, here's kind of where we're headed for this morning. Um, it's really two points for this morning as we walk through this text together, and that's this. In Christ, we have peace um, with one another in the church, firstly. And secondly, in Christ, we have peace with God. So firstly, in Christ, we have peace with one another in the church. We see this in verses 13 through 15 of Ephesians 2. So look at Ephesians 2, verses 13 through 15. So starting in verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Meaning, because of Christ's death on the cross in our place, we who were once enemies of God, destined for hell because of our sin, far off, far from God, far from being numbered among his people. That's what that far off is getting at. We who once that was true of now have a reconciled relationship with God through faith in Jesus and get to enjoy fellowship with him and with one another as one of his people. This is only possible by the blood of Jesus who took all of the wrath that we deserve for our sin onto himself on the cross, that through faith in him, we can be reconciled to God and numbered among his people. Now, Paul here has uh, Gentiles who, as he says, uh, were once separated from Christ, alienated from uh, the commonwealth of, uh, commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Paul has Gentiles being reconciled to God and numbered among his people through faith in Jesus, particularly in mind here. But the same is true of everyone who believes in Jesus. We who were once enemies of God now have a reconciled relationship with him through faith in Jesus, bought and paid for by his blood. Uh, to give us kind of an application from that, um, Church, our reconciled relationship with God was a costly gift. Amen? 
Church, are we treating it that way? Are we treating it that way? Are we treating our reconciled relationship with God as the precious, costly gift that it is? And does that show up in our time in the Word and in prayer and in gospel community? Or, to put it bluntly, are we treating it more like a McDonald's toy? Excited about it briefly, but then neglected. If so, let's repent by the power of the Holy Spirit and start treating it like the costly treasure that it is. Amen? Verses 14 through 15. Paul goes on. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Now, we're not going to get into all of this for our purposes this morning, but in short, just to kind of summarize what's going on here, Christ has united both believing Jews and believing Gentiles under one banner and into one people, his church. Amen? And, and Jesus did so by making peace between us and God for everyone who believes, Jew and Gentile alike, via his death on the cross in our place and making us into one big reconciled family united to one another in our union with Christ. And he did so by doing away with all of the old covenant distinctions between Jew and Gentile and uniting us into one people, one family of believers under the new covenant. That's just to help us here. That's what Paul's getting at with by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. But just for the sake of time and our purposes this morning, we're going to keep it moving. We're not going to go into that any further, but just to help us understand this passage a little bit. In so doing, Christ makes peace between Jews and Gentiles within the church. Because now we're all part of the same family. We're all on the same team in Christ. You can kind of picture um, two kids representing Jews and Gentiles that keep fighting each other, which, frankly, this analogy is not that far off considering Old Testament history. <laughs> God adopts them both in Christ and goes, there, now you're brothers. Now knock it off. <laughs> That's kind of the idea here. Puts us both, Jews and Gentiles alike, who have faith in Jesus on the same side of the spiritual war that we're fighting thus making peace between us because now we're on the same team. Does that make sense? And because we're united in our having been reconciled to God through faith in Christ, when we sin against one another, we can look together to the cross and go, hey, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus and forgive one another and move forward. And all of this is true, church, not only between Jews and Gentiles within the church, but between every believer in the church. And so here's the question, church. Are we living that way? Like Christ not only makes peace between us and God, but also between one another in the church. Are we living accordingly? Or are we still acting like the kids who won't stop fighting each other? <laughs> Because we haven't figured out that we're brothers, that we're on the same team yet. 
To give you an illustration, if the gospel can bring peace between Jews and Gentiles within the church after all of the years of warring with one another throughout biblical history, it can bring peace between you guys over your silly thing. Amen? And look, I don't know that it's silly, <laughs> right? But uh, it probably is by comparison. Is that fair? Fair enough? Also, just a quick bonus application, but I think it's helpful and, and worthy of note here. Notice that the thing that brings peace between people groups here is the gospel. And not some silly book you've never heard of that isn't the Bible. Amen? Amen. The gospel is not only sufficient to address the problem of racism, it's the only thing that can bring true and lasting change when it comes to racism because it's the only thing that can truly change the racist's heart. Amen? Right? Let's remember that and let's live accordingly. So secondly, in Christ we have peace with God. So in Christ we have peace with one another in the church. Firstly, we see in this passage. Secondly, we see in Christ we have peace with God. We see this in verses 16 through 18 where Paul goes on to say, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. On our own, apart from Christ, we were enemies of God. Again, destined to hell as his enemies because of our sin. But now, through faith in Christ, because of his death on the cross in our place, there is peace between us and God. You can kind of picture it this way. On our own, apart from Christ, we were rebels at war with God, destined for hell for our treason. But now, through faith in Christ, there is peace between us and God because Christ has already served the sentence for our treason in his death on the cross in our place. So that in him, not only are we safe from the wrath that we deserve, because Christ has already served our sentence for our treason in full, in his death on the cross in our place, but we're now members of his kingdom and family. You can kind of picture it this way. In Christ, not only are we safe from the wrath we deserve for our rebellion against him, but we get to throw on the uniform of a, of a soldier for Christ of a soldier of Christ and join the winning side of the spiritual war. The side that has already won the war via Christ's death on the cross in our place, but will one day be completely victorious when Christ returns and puts a victorious end to his enemy's fight once and for all. In Christ, not only are we safe from the wrath we deserve for our rebellion, but we get to join the winning army. Praise God for the forgiveness and the redemption that we have in Jesus. Amen? And as we talked about last week, if you're not on the winning team, join the winning team by faith, through faith in Christ this morning. Put true saving faith in Christ that you'd be saved while there's still time, or you will be condemned as one of his enemies at the final judgment when King Jesus returns. Again, during Advent, we're celebrating what Jesus accomplished during his first coming with an eye to his second coming. So are you ready for his second coming? If not, put true saving faith in Christ that you'd be saved 
and in turn ready for the second coming while there's still time. This peace with God is for both Jews, those who were near, and Gentiles, those who were far off, alike through faith in Jesus. And through him, we both, Jews and Gentiles alike, have access in one spirit to the Father, as Paul says. Meaning both Jews and Gentiles alike have confident access to God in reconciled relationship with him through faith in Jesus. This is similar to, reminds me of uh, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, which says this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our text this morning reminds me a little bit of Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, but Ephesians 2 this morning emphasizes that both Jew and Gentile alike have this confident access to God in reconciled relationship with him through faith in Jesus. So again, church, are we living that way? Does our prayer life Does our time in the word, does our time in gospel community reflect the truth that we have confident access to God in reconciled relationship with him through faith in Jesus? Or does it look more like we never got that memo? I have confident access to God in in reconciled relationship with him through faith in Jesus. Are you sure? Because I never got that email. Let me check my spam folder, right? Is, is that a more accurate description of what our fellowship with the Lord looks like? If so, let's repent together by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? In Christ, we have peace with God and with one another in the church. And that's what we're celebrating when we celebrate Advent. That Christ has come, that he lived a perfect life in our place and died a sacrificial death in our place, that through faith in him, we'd be reconciled to God and united to one another as his people in our union with Christ. And we do so, we, we celebrate what Jesus accomplished in his first coming with an anticipatory eye toward his second coming when we celebrate Advent. When, when, when Christ returns, when he'll re- return, defeat his enemies once and for all, and there will finally be total peace on earth between God and man and between man and man for all eternity. Because his enemies will have been defeated once and for all and we'll get to enjoy him finally free from even the presence of sin on a fully redeemed earth for all eternity. Lord, come quickly. (laughs) So, how do we respond to this? Well, three things I want to leave you guys with um, just in response to Ephesians 2 this morning. One, live in light of the peace you have with God 
in Christ. Live in light of the peace you have with God in Christ. Live like you have confident access to God in reconciled relationship with him because through faith in Christ, you do. (laughs) You do. So live accordingly. Live accordingly in your prayer life. Live accordingly in your devotional life. Live accordingly in gospel community. And, and I'll, I'll use this illustration because I think it's convicting. <laughs> I, I know it's definitely convicting for me. If we treated our relationship with God the way many of us treat a good book or a good TV show or a good video game, just one more chapter, oh, just, just one more episode, just, just five more minutes, i.e., just one more prayer of confession, just one more truth in love from my brother. Just one more verse. Our lives, and in particular church, our spiritual maturity would look very differently. And, and I, I don't think I have to tell you this, but our hunger for a good TV show or video game or book should pale in comparison to our hunger for communion with God who should be on the throne of our affections and our hearts and minds. Amen? Right? And if he's not right now, and you know it, (laughs) there's some part of your life where you know he's not on the throne of your affections, might, might I suggest that you whet your appetite for communion with the Lord by tasting and seeing anew that the Lord is good. Get back in the word, church. Get back in prayer. Get back in community and be reminded how good these things are for your soul that you'd hunger for them all the more. Amen? I know this is a thing that we overlook, but I think that's part of our problem sometime. Yeah, I really don't have an appetite for the word or prayer or community. Well, well, when was the last time you did it? Have you forgotten how good the Lord truly is and how good for your soul those things truly are. Amen? Does that make sense? And when you fall short, like no doubt many of us are feeling convicted about right now, myself included, press in. Press in. Run toward God and not away because your reconciled relationship with God is secure in Jesus. If you truly have it through faith in Jesus, then you cannot lose it. Because, church, you did nothing to earn it in the first place. It was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus, which is (laughs) non-refundable. So when you fall short and scrape your spiritual knee, run toward your heavenly Father for help, for encouragement, for the empowerment to change, and so forth, and not away from him. Because in Christ, you'll always be welcomed home with open arms as a son. Amen? It's the good news of the gospel. So live accordingly. Live accordingly. Secondly, live in light of the peace you have with your fellow believers in Christ. I'll say that again. Live in light of the peace you have with your fellow believers in Christ. Live like you're on the same team. Live like you're part of the same family. 
When you sin against one another, and you will, (laughs) look to the cross together and go, hey, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus, forgive one another and move forward. Stop pulling your sister's hair and start living like a family and not like you're starting a new wrestling federation. Is that fair? And if that means, just to hear this, if that means you've got a phone call to make or someone you need to talk to after the service, then, then, then do so. Because I don't know if you've noticed, church, and I'm sure you have, but we've got plenty of other challenges as the people of God living in this fallen world right now. So let's not add friendly fire to that. Okay, fair enough? And to be clear, I I don't have any situation or anybody particularly in mind with that. I just thought it might be a helpful reminder in the midst of an already incredibly difficult season. So, to give you another picture, keep your safeties on around your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't be using each other for target practice. Please, can we not do that? Thirdly, go and preach the good news of peace, both with God and with one another in the church, in Christ, to a a world that desperately needs to hear it. I'll say that again. Go and preach the good news of peace, both with God and with one another in the church, in Christ, to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Do so both outside of the church, that more sinners would be saved through faith in Jesus, especially church, considering Many people are likely more open to some good news right about now, if I had to guess. So let's preach the gospel with boldness accordingly. And do so inside of the church. (laughs) Because you and I need to hear it and be reminded of it. Especially in such a challenging year like 2020. We need to hear and be reminded of the good news of the gospel. Amen? I don't know about you, but I can use all the good news I can get right now. And I bet the same is true for you guys in a very, very difficult year. So let's remind one another of the greatest of good news that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go and preach the good news of peace both with God and with one another another in the church in Christ to a world that desperately needs to hear it both outside of the church and inside of the church. Now here's the good news I want to leave you with as we close. Wherever we fall short here, again, as we've talked about many times, this is going to be very familiar, (laughs) but I just want to remind us of the good news of the gospel again this morning as we close. Wherever we fall short here, as we've talked about many times, the good news is that in Christ we're forgiven, in Christ we're declared righteous, and in Christ we're empowered to change. In Christ, we're forgiven. Christ died a sacrificial death in our place that all who look to him by faith would be forgiven of all of their sins and saved from the penalty they deserve, including whatever sins we feel convicted about this morning. In Christ, we're declared righteous. Christ lived a perfect life in our place including in whatever areas we were rightly convicted about this morning, that through faith in him, we'd be declared perfectly righteous before God. And in Christ, we're empowered to change via the Holy Spirit who now dwells within us as he does in every believer. So church, let's not stay where we are this morning. 
but let's keep going and keep growing in the faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. In our relationship with God, in our relationship with our fellow believers, as we go out from here on mission, and in whatever other areas were brought to mind in our time together this morning. Amen? Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this reminder of the good news of peace between God and ourselves and between one another within the church that we have in Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that good news. We thank you that it's ours through faith in Christ and, and, and by his finished works on our behalf and not earned by our own works or, or we would never earn it. Lord, we, we thank you that Christ earned it for us on our behalf. And so we, we thank you for the forgiveness and redemption that we have in Jesus through faith in him and his finished works, his perfect works on our behalf. Lord, help us to live in light of this good news of peace that we have in Christ with both God and one another in the church. Lord, help us to live accordingly in a way that testifies to those truths. And where we don't, Lord, give us the desire and the empowerment by your Holy Spirit to change, to start living accordingly. Lord, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And again, for just the forgiveness and redemption that we have in Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.